0: Oh, man, this is the most exciting thing I've seen since Haley's Comet collided with the moon.
1: That never happened, Dad.
0: Sure it didn't. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer, TGIF indeed. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, if our luck holds up, that is. And of course, if we stay on the technically expert side of bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today, sir?
2: Back to back! Woo!
0: Back to back! Here are your Tampa Bay! (laughs) Hoisting the cup back-to-back, so difficult to do, one of the prime moments in the professional sporting world. We are so thrilled for our regional team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, an hour up the road and yet so near to our hearts, we who reside in Florida, back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. Why does this have any relevance to our wonderful friends and listeners in Puget Sound?
3: Because they're getting a hockey team. We already got scant, it.
0: <laughs> scant months away yeah. will come the inaugural season of the Seattle Kraken. Release the Kraken. the Kraken. Yes, release them. <laughs> You're going down. This is
2: great. You're going down.
0: Yeah. Nothing like NHL hockey. I said it for years before I ever pulled up stakes and moved with Suzanne down to Sarasota. I said, if Seattle ever gets an NHL franchise, you are going to see the kind of enthusiasm that certainly will rival that of the Seahawks. And God bless the Mariners, we'd love to see them in that happy category. Hasn't happened yet. The who knows? I, I keep praying that the Mariners will one day go to the World Series. Won't that be something? But in the meantime, those of us who do cheer for the Tampa Bay Lightning are thrilled. It's when you think about, and you know about this, you're an athlete, Benny. When you think about the kind of pounding, the injuries, the sort of thing that somebody would would cause someone to call in sick three days in a row at work, you go into the tunnel, they stitch you up and you come back for the next period in hockey.
2: Fierce. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't have yeah. it, but they do. Everyone does that plays. I, I mean, I left the sport years ago. I played it for 10 years, but still it's impressive to say the least on what bodies can do and what the brains can go through too. So kudos.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very impressive. We enjoyed it. And of course we're happy. Our local team, won our local regional team,
2: just a little bit.
0: And and we have another reason to celebrate <laughs> this time. We look to the stars and the planets and their influences, their significances as presented by our good friend. He's one of those best friends we have yet to meet. And I'm talking of course, about Christopher Renstrom. So let's get him on here. And yes, of course, we will be reading horoscopes today. That is our tradition now when Christopher joins us on the show. Christopher Renstrom is the
3: creator of rulingplanets.com, an online astrology site based on his best selling book, Ruling Planets. Don't try and get it, it's been out of print for years. He currently writes the Daily Horoscopes for the San Francisco Chronicle and sfgate.com. Renstrom also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times and runs ruling planet workshops around the country. I am taking that bio from the back cover of his book, The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. We have read this book from cover to cover. We've also talked to him about it already. And we will mention it once again today because there's things we're going to reference in here. And we are thrilled for the umpteenth time. No, Gary, I didn't count how many times.
0: Umpteenth is a lot.
3: Umpteenth time we are thrilled (laughs) to have on our dear friend, Christopher Renstrom from Utah. Wow, thank you. (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. As well <laughs> <Clearly>. they should.
0: <laughs> Christopher, it's always a pleasure to have you join us. Oh. When you when you look around you, and this is a question I've never asked you. So this is sort of a, a soft introduction to our interview today. They say that Paul McCartney goes through life with songs in his head, constantly a tune, the, the, a theme, they're a, um, a riff some baseline there's always something musical happening in his head and it's the way that he approaches life or life works its way through him so beautifully so creatively as an astrologer of the first rank how do you look at life when you first get up in the morning i mean do you do you see stars literally or is the first thought in your head well i'd better put the coffee pot on <laughs>
4: Well, it depends. If there's a if there's a star rising uh, before the sun, yes, I, I will go and, and and I will go and take a look at that. And in fact. Um, At about maybe 3.30 or 4 in the morning, if I'm up, and sometimes I am for a quick moment, I'll go and take a quick peek at uh, Jupiter and Saturn, which are are up above right now. And it's very rare. Um, You know, they've been traveling together for a little while, but it's very rare to see them together like that. So I always make a point, um, you know, if I'm up in the middle of the night to go and, and give them a quick look. Uh, and 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 so there's that, but no, uh, basically, you know, I sort of like get up in the morning like everyone else, and and actually, in my case, I immediately am posting on Instagram for my astrology thing there. So that's actually the first thing I do is is uh, repost all the daily horoscopes on on the Instagram.
3: Christopher, it sounds like you when you say you're getting up and looking at the stars, it sounds like astronomy. So are you into astronomy as well as astrology? Are you actually looking through a
4: telescope at these planets? Well, um, uh, first of all, astronomy comes from astrology. Uh, Astrology predates astronomy by a number of centuries. And... um, I don't really need to look at a telescope. I'm very blessed that I live in a beautiful spot of Salt Lake City that I can just sort of like peer out through the window or if it's a warm warm summer lo- night like we've had, I can just sort of step outside uh, the door to my bedroom and, and, and step on the deck. And my dog comes and joins me and just kind of like have a quiet moment just looking up at uh, the stars and you can spot the planets right there. But yeah, the um, astrologers were able to spot planets when they were visible, um, and that's how they were able to track them. Uh, For instance, during the times when they were not visible, when they were traveling close to the sun and things like that, that's that's basically how they were able, the the heliacal risings and settings were how they were able to uh, chart how long a planet took to go through a zodiac sign, and that basically gave us our first calendar. It all comes from astrology. So
3: stepping out onto your deck, you're looking at the planets with your naked eye because oh, yeah. they're yeah, visible yeah. where you are.
4: Oh, you can't, you can't miss Jupiter. <laughs> and if you look out after, right after sunset, you can't miss Venus. She's an evening star right now. And um, Saturn, if you can find Jupiter, you can find Saturn. Saturn on his own can be a little tricky because he's more faded and smaller. But um, all you have to do is is spot Jupiter and then swing to the right a little bit, and and you'll see Saturn right there, and you can see it all with your naked eye.
3: You know, what's amazing about that is, you know, we're the little blue ball that is third from the sun, and these planets are so far away. But the fact that they're not only far away, but they are big enough where you can actually see the sun you know, reflecting on those planets is truly amazing, isn't it?
4: Oh, it's it's astonishing, and I think that's something that um, it, it. we have to remember. We live with, you know, city lights. Even if I'm far away from the city, there's still, you know, sort of like city light and things like that that will come, but, you know... Centuries ago, there were no city lights, you know, really to speak of, you know, not not in the way that we talk about it right now. So you could see the planets really quite clearly, and what was fascinating about this is this is precisely why it was outlawed in Rome under uh, Caesar, because. Anyone with any sort of knowledge of astrology could look up in the sky and see the conjunction of planets, and be able to like render pretty quickly what that would mean. (laughs) So you basically had this. What was outlawed, Christopher? Hmm.
3: What was outlawed?
4: Astrology was outlawed after the assassination of um, Julius Caesar. Uh, because it was connected to the prophecy of the Ides of March and to a comet which was uh, predominant in the sky during that period of time. And comets throughout history have always been um, connected to the death of rulers kings and queens. And so there was, a very power, uh, there was a very visible comet at that period of time. And, you know, whether that was used to sort of gather people around the assassination of Caesar, or whether it was a prophetic event, wasn't really known. But following that, um, astrology was outlawed in Rome. I did
3: not know that. That is very interesting.
4: And here you have another example
0: of the powers that be trying to tamp down the powers that are and will forever be.
4: (laughs) Exactly. Because the thing is, you could look past who was talking on a pulpit, for instance, or you could look past, you know, what a royal decree was and you could look up in the stars and you could see for yourself the conjunction or the behavior of the planets. So if you had a smattering of that knowledge, then you could decipher, you could interpret. And this is why the Church has always had a sort of on-and-off relationship to astrology through through the centuries. But one of the big things was... You know, planets as portents could say, "Okay, this ruler's is going to be overthrown or that's it. And if word got out and it often did, that could become a very unruly or a very difficult time for the populace.
3: And was this knowledge only available to the elite who were somehow schooled in this? Was this, you know, like a a secret schooling uh, or, or could anybody look in the stars and see what was going to happen?
4: Well, this is the democratic thing about astrology. Anyone could look up at the stars and see what's going to happen if you've got, a, if you've got an idea of how to find the planets and what that interpretation would mean. So, yes. Uh, and, and, and in earlier centuries, for instance, if we're talking about Babylon or something like that, this was uh, knowledge that belonged only to the elite. They were the ones who kept the tablets and which is basically where astronomy begins. They're the ones who kept, um, in Ashurbanipal's uh, library, they're the ones that kept the tablets, which tabulated how long a planet would stay in a sign and how long it would take to complete a single orbit. But by the time we get to Rome, astrology is really popular, like in the press. And a lot of people have a sort of basic understanding of, of how it works. And so that's where it became um, a problem with with the public <laughs> and it needed to be tamped down.
0: That's amazing. I, I just love your knowledge of history, particularly as it applies to astrology. I didn't even know about that. What was that, that
4: abracadabra library you were talking about? <laughs> the Ajapanipal, <laughs> he's, a, he's a famous, um, I guess we would call him an emperor or or king of of Babylon. And, yeah, it was his library that gave us the cuneiform tablets, where um, you can see them at the British Museum, uh, where basically they they catalog the risings and settings of Venus following or in front of the uh, sun, and then they apply to all the uh, other planets, which at the time is basically uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn.
0: Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Every time you come on, this is the kind of thing we can expect. Also, horoscopes. Now, as Uh Suzanne indicated in giving you your mad props, as we like to call them, you are syndicated, it's true, in sfgate.com. That's a convenient way for people to get your horoscopes, but there's an even more direct way and equally, if not more enjoyable, and that's to go to your website, Christopher. And from your website, rulingplanets.com, it's plural, rulingplanets.com, I have pulled today's horoscopes for July 9, 2021, and per usual, I would like to read them a few at a time, and then on the other side of the break, we finish them up, and when something jumps out at me, I like to question you about it to see which influences are exerting themselves and why. Are you ready for that, Christopher? I am Gary. <laughs> Since you wrote them, I figure he's ready. Here we I wrote go. Them a little while ago. Let's so. start with Aries, everybody. So listen up. These are your horoscopes for today. For Aries, a new moon in Cancer reminds you of how precious family is. Take a break from the arena and loll about with loved ones. Let's go to Taurus. This seems pretty significant. Taurus, let events follow the path of least resistance. They'll come together in the way you like eventually. It's a test of patience, but you're up to it. And I'm also going to read Gemini. If any of you Geminis are involved in something, maybe you promise something to someone, you think you're locked in. Well, here's a heads up, Gemini. You get an exciting offer. Unfortunately, you're already spoken for. Ask nicely, and you may be released from your obligation. We'll stop there, and we'll get to all of them, believe me. But I wanted to stop for a, a moment here to point out, this This is just my perspective, Christopher. Please tell me how you feel about it. In America particularly, it's considered sort of mentally lazy, perhaps even a character flaw for someone to, as it were, default into the path of least resistance. Right. The people who talk that way, and I've had a few conversations in regards, they don't seem to realize that if you look at ancient Chinese philosophy, and who wouldn't, but when you look at that in the tradition of Taoism, the path of least resistance is the one that most replicates the natural order, the flow of life, the yin and yang. And for Taurus today, it says, let events follow the path of least resistance. but come together in the way you like eventually. It's a test of patience, but you're up to it. Nature, despite hurricanes, despite tornadoes and whatnot, generally speaking, is in not all that much of a rush.
4: Right, right. And you're very right to point out that we as Americans have a problem with that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's ironic, though, uh, that that would come up with Taurus because of the different zodiac signs you Taurus has a tendency to be much more, as as you were describing, um, Taoist in, in its approach to life. It can be, I mean, it's very hardworking, but it can also, you know, not force an issue or make things more difficult than than need be. But what's going on is that Uranus, the planet of revolution and change, is currently residing in the zodiac sign of Taurus. So a planet is in a sign, like a person is in an office building. Um, but right now, Uranus is residing in the zodiac sign of Taurus and so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of feeling of volatility with Taurus right now, a lot of feeling of, um, you know, sort of being poked and jabbed at or spurred on in, in, uh, from, from different directions. And and this whole week for Taurus has actually been kind of a bit of a volatile week. And so there can be this feeling of like being on edge or, or, or and so uh, kind of like Ferdinand the bull after he sits on the bee in the cork field, <laughs> you know, they're kind of like jumping around in different. In different things, and so, you know, whatever Torians are grappling with, whether it's a relationship situation or, or professional, uh, a political professional matter, i.e., I. working with a client or a coworker, um, the advice really is follow the path of least resistance. Don't try to force a fit. Don't try to anticipate um, a reaction. You may not see how it's going to come together further down the road, but if you're patient, it it, it definitely will. And that's in reference to letting enough time, a few days pass from all this Uranian energy uh, that that Taurus has been experiencing lately.
3: Wouldn't uh, Taurians... Is that what you would call Taurus people? Taurians?
4: Uh, adjectives get creative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wouldn't
3: people born under the sign of Taurus, I can yeah. use that one. Um, wouldn't they be more likely in their personalities to follow the path of least resistance as opposed to a fire sign? Like, right. you know, Aries or Leo or Sagittarius where right. they're going to, you know, move, take action, you know, be doing things. I don't think of people under Taurus as as, uh, being aggressively out there.
4: Right, and you're right. Typically, that would be true, but because Uranus is such—it's uh, the planet of revolution and change—and um, it's such a volatile planet, kind of think of a of a uh, the wheel of fortune, you know, where, where you give the wheel a spin, you know, it, it's always sort of changing the goalposts. And since it's been in the zodiac sign of Taurus since 2018, but but there are certain times of the year where it becomes really triggered or really activated, and this is one of them, Um, you know, Taurus can feel very like a fire sign, (laughs) you know, very like, you know, I I feel like I'm being prodded into taking action. And that that can be difficult because that's not Taurus's natural way. And so that's why, you know, in consulting with Taurians, it's kind of like getting them to sort of, you know, cool it, even though they're feeling very much like, like, you know, they're, they're being forced or prodded to do things right now.
3: Well, thank you. That's a great explanation. So the bull's getting riled up
4: and we want to not do that. Yeah. Bulls don't. Well, think of the bull run that they do in Spain. Yes. You, re- you really think bulls like to do that? No, they want to be out in pastures grazing. But, you yes. know, yeah. every that year makes they round sense. them up that and get sense. them to chase okay. people down the street. And they're like, OK, whatever. But they're not into it. They don't like it. That's not the way they normally are.
0: And before we leave this Tarian theme there, because we have other horoscopes to read, and then a particular topic I want to bring up on the other side of the break that is very much part of uh, the current work of Christopher Renstrom, and it's a subject about which I know very little, but here we're gonna learn a lot. Be that as it may, one other thing about Taurus, and I have many Taurus friends, including listeners to this show. A bull doesn't like to have a red cape or flag waved in front of it. Don't know why, that's how nature has decreed, that's just the way it is. If people in dealing with the Taurus are, and I'm using my own phrase for it here, if they are waving that red flag by way of committing intentional and inciting acts, if they are inciting one to anger because it is tactical or even strategic for them to do so, if they are waving that red flag because they think it's a good idea to do that, perhaps in order to set a aside or to put them in their place, or even ignore their rightful influence or role in an organization, for example. What uh-huh. would your specific counsel be to a Taurian who is being thus
4: provoked? Yeah, being harassed, right? You know, agitated. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a deliberate effort to do this. The wonderful thing about Taurus is that they were born with a thick skin, you know they they can take a lot of punishment. You know, so they can. Uh, it's a sign that it, that actually does very well under a lot of pressure, and maintains its calm uh, when things can become very harried. So it does. It's not normally given or inclined to uh, uh, nervous energy or or being agitated. So Taurus can, to an extent, let it go in one ear and out the other. And because it's also ruled by Venus, it's agreeable. Um, if it doesn't like what someone's saying in terms of direction or whatever, it will sort of nod and smile and, you know, let the person go on their merry way and then Taurus will go back to doing what it was doing anyway. <laughs> so, so there's there, there's an ability with this sign to sort of like outlast, you know, and, and it does that by actually becoming slower or calmer than the energies um, around it for the most part.
1: Wow,
0: that's great. Thank you. That was great, Christopher. Thank you so much. I would like to move on because we are getting close to the bottom of the hour when we will take our one and only break during this program. And we want to get everybody in. Cancerians and oh my God, the Cancerians that tune into this show. We've had shows where it's calling because they're talking to a numerologist or what have you. (laughs) And it's like out of five calls, four are cancers. (laughs) (laughs) They love us in Cancerville, believe me, the good kind, (laughs) Cancerians in the sign of Cancer. Here's what's up today: the new moon in Cancer shows you entering into a prosperous cycle, but don't squander it. Start salting away funds now. Some good prudent advice, Leo. Sunshine kids, here we go. Leo, are you forcing something before it's ready? You don't want to start out on the wrong foot. Wait until August 8th when you're on surer ground. So pay attention to August 8th. Be here before you know it. And um, I'm gonna go ahead and read Virgo. All right. And I do this every day. Every day, Christopher. You are my guiding star. Virgo. Very kind. You're getting better at reading moods. In a world of emails and text messaging, it's not always easy to read the person behind the words. And I would extend that to say, Christopher, I found that it's not always easy to read the room.
4: (laughs) That can become challenging, Gary.
0: (laughs) And I have found that out. That is for darn sure. Suzanne, at this point, maybe we should take our break because there's one specific issue I wanted to bring up, and it's actually an opportunity for people to get involved with their own birth charts. And if you've never had one run, Christopher can help you out with that, as can other astrologers. There are services online. As a matter of fact, it's quite inexpensive and occasionally you see one that's free, but make sure you check for quality. In a birth chart, there is something that, and I'm going to hold it back through the break, there is an aspect that is little discussed, but I think its importance is far disproportionate to the lack of attention it receives, and Christopher Renstrom has some light to shed on that when we come back. So let's go ahead and take our break now. We have Christopher Renstrom with us, no more need be said, always fun, always enlightening when this gentleman joins us. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be back with more of Manson Mitchell right here at the very epicenter of Alternative Talk in Seattle, AM 1150.
2: Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com that's terry at terryloving.com
3: on friday manson mitchell welcome astrologer christopher renstrom
0: for the latest prognostications and planetary progressions on saturday sam maranto of mutual ufo network returns with an analysis of the recently released military report on ufo sightings bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
1: Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now. Don't turn off the radio or change the channel. Don't cover your kids' ears, no matter how much you want to ignore it. Child trafficking is real. In fact, it's happening in your town. And you know what our greatest weapon against child trafficking is? It's our children. It's time to act with PACT. That's Partners Against Child Trafficking. PACT works to teach students how to identify the warning signs of child trafficking so they can help other vulnerable kids around them. PACT student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Visit pac.city to start donating today. That's P-A-C-T And for as little as $5 a month, you can help end child exploitation.
0: Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell.
1: Here's an
4: amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling,
1: the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act.
0: The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative
4: Talk, 1150
3: welcome back to manson mitchell and our very special guest this hour christopher renstrom the author of ruling planets first book out of print new book the cosmic calendar using astrology to get in sync with your best life a truly wonderful book which i want to say a couple of words about but before i do that uh christopher is there anything else uh, how how our listeners can get in touch with you i know rulingplanets.com Is there is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners about? Sure, I
4: have um, I I have a Facebook presence and also uh, on Twitter, Uh, but something that I also do is I have an Instagram live uh, that I do every Saturday at five p.m. Mountain uh, with my co-host Emily, and uh, we will come on for an hour and there's always an astrological topic that we go ahead and and unpack for instance uh tomorrow's feature will be the elements we'll be talking about the four elements and uh if they if your listeners want to join us at um it's at christopher renstrom that's the tag or whatever for the instagram uh we're live every saturday 5 p.m mountain and then if you miss it all you have to do is go to the ig uh, tv page and uh and you're you can you can watch whatever episode that you that you missed
3: okay very good i wanted to mention just another minute or two regarding uh the cosmic calendar which is your more recent book we talked about it the last time that you were on which was the end of 2020 and you have always said for all the years you've been coming on our show that um that the cosmos the planetary progressions are a calendar and so in your book you talk about the different elements the different seasons all the different ways that you can look at your birth chart but you do it in a way which is very accessible to people that they do not need to be master astrologers such as yourself it is easy to look up this information and i had just been looking at something this morning between gary's cosmic calendar and my own because it was easy for me to put those together and i noticed that on our our calendars i was in a period where I am ending things. And Gary's in a period where he's starting things, right? And, and so, you know, we can talk to each other in that way, using the cosmic calendar. And I just want to say what a great reference book it is. Because you can look at the month, you can look at the season, you can look at where the sun is, you can look at so many different ways and see what's going on much more easily, much more accessibly than you can other ways. So I, I just wanted to uh, give that
4: pitch for the book, The Cosmic oh, Calendar. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really important. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about people being a morning person or a night person, and what we often forget is someone can be a summer person or a winter person.
1: You know, that, that their
4: temperament comes so much from the time of year that they were born. And that's one of the beautiful things that astrology always stood up for. I mean, a lot of times we'll focus on like, what's your sun sign or what are the planets? But we forget that everything in astrology is about time. It's about a calendar and timing things. And so the book will get into things like, what are you like if you're a spring person with you know, a late summer person. And and how does that work? You know, and, and I just felt like it's something that is so quickly overlooked in astrology, there'll be like a couple of paragraphs about it. And in the book, I really wanted to sort of open that up and and unpack it, because I really feel like it gives such a strong background to to a chart.
3: My most favorite time of year for just about my whole life has been the fall time. I grew mm-hmm. up in the Midwest where there's a change of seasons and the fall has the beautiful colors, the beautiful harvest, the farmer's markets were overflowing with fruits and vegetables. And I see where fall time is actually my out of season time where it isn't good for making big decisions. Uh, it's There's a little bit of lethargy, but it's also a great downtime for me and being and Aries with lots and lots of fire in my chart. Right. Uh, I just really enjoy the fall. It's right. That's like, my rest time. And so yeah, having and read the cosmic sort of, calendar, I could see how perfect that was for me. That that is the time to not be all fiery and going, you know, full out, but just sit back and rest and that be okay. And so, you know, you can well, find you know, out a lot talk about, about yourself. you stop and
4: smell the, the roses. And so this can be like stop and admire the, the prize pig or the, or the baked pies or something, whatever, at a state fair, you know, because it's such a wonderful uh, – I love that you would love that so much. I mean, I love state fairs too. It's just where, where everyone sort of like puts forth, you know, the bounty and everything that's been harvested and grown. It's such a wonderful time of year.
0: Yeah, and funnel cakes – <laughs> That's two. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, I want to read uh, three more here uh, Christopher and then uh, the question of the day is looming. I promised it and I will deliver it. But first let's hear what's up for Libra. You were angling for second in command. So it comes as a surprise to be awarded the top position. Step into the role. You'll see it was made to order all all along. So that's pretty interesting. How about Scorpio from the watery depths? Scorpio, careful. That new friendship of yours teeters dangerously close to flirty. You're playing with fire, so don't get burned. Sagittarius nobody's going to make you do anything you don't want to do that said it's up to you to make self-improvement a priority very good and we have three more to read we will get to those before the end of the hour Uh, let's see here oh we have we have an appreciator we've got someone who feels so strongly about the benefits to be derived from reading Christopher Renstrom's horoscopes that she would like to share her appreciation. And typically, we don't take calls during an hour with Christopher, but we'll take this one. Benny,
2: whom do we have? We have Lisa joining us.
1: Hi, Lisa. Hi, Um, Christopher Renstrom. I just had to make a call. Um, Thanks to both Suzanne and Gary. They told me about you. I'm now totally hooked on it, and I wanted to thank you so much for your amazing gift and sharing it with us. I'm a minister and a Taurus bull, which isn't always the best combination. (laughs) So I just want you to know I don't put this hoof out of bed in the morning until I've read your words of wisdom thank you very much oh. <laughs> thank you thank you You're for calling so just, so please keep it up because you stopped my day
4: Oh, you. and you just made my day in fact you made my whole week <laughs> thank you
1: <laughs> okay, Wonderful. well
4: thank
0: you for those kind words Reverend Lisa And uh, I know, Reverend Lisa, and I tell you, Christopher, that is high praise coming from someone who has over 50 years of experience studying, teaching, and practicing metaphysics.
4: Well, you can I, you can just feel her warmth and her soul just through her words. That was thank you so much. That was just so lovely. It, it's it's it's. I, I wish I lived closer to Reverend Lisa. <laughs> oh yes,
3: yes. You can would you would enjoy her a lot.
0: There. And thanks yeah. for taking that call, Benny. Okay, here's the big question of the day, Christopher. Mm. i am so intrigued by something about which i have heard very little except there was a time in my life when people in metaphysics i can think of one in particular who told me pay attention to the mid-heaven position in your birth chart and I, naturally i "Well, what's mid-heaven what does that mean i understand the mid part as i'm looking at my birth chart why should the mid-heaven position of a planet in sign, or a sign with a planet attached to it, mean anything to anyone at that particular aspect of their lives?
4: Basically, what the uh, if you've seen an astrological chart, you'll see that it's a circle that's divided into 12, um, just like a clock and the 12 numbers on the clock. Um, in fact, that's where the whole design of a clock came from. Um, the midheaven basically refers to the zodiac sign, which was overhead, you know, meaning at the noon point, the 12 noon point, at the time that you were born. So, people who are born around 12 noon, for instance, their sun is in the mid heaven, and so they're going to identify very much with that mid heaven. Um, and then there are people who are born at perhaps 12 midnight, in which they're underneath the mid heaven, and it's very far above, and and so that will be their. Placement or, or their, their situation. A midheaven, um, in shorthand for astrology, was always associated with destiny or with fate. Um, nowadays it's more connected to career or your aspirations or your calling in life. Um, there, and, and again, because of the sun placement, is it high, is it low, is it rising, is it setting? You know, this will be, this will describe one's relationship to it. But a lot of the times what i like to do when I, when I look at someone's midheaven, um, is, is ask them, you know, uh, is there a, difference between fate and destiny uh, which is always a question that that i like to ask when when introducing the idea of the midheaven
0: and so i was told by and i did a little reading on this as well way back when and i was told that sign that shows up at the midheaven point of your chart brings in an influence that will benefit you you can make good use of it in my particular case, I have a chart that has virtually no fire, but there sits Aries at the mid-heaven point, and it was actually suggested to me that the person that you mate with will be an Aries. That would be a very fortunate pairing, a good union. Lo and behold, and unbeknownst to me when I met Suzanne, she is an Aries there, and we're coming up on 20 years ago, that we started seeing each other, and now I see the virtue of it. So there was sign and symbol, as it were, in my chart of Aries. For someone else at midheaven, maybe they have Libra, for example. and Would that not indicate that at the midpoint in their lives, at least by that time, there's going to be the virtues of Libra, chief among them it seems to me, facility with communication and an ability to be the diplomat in the room?
4: Well, it's something, because it's a midheaven, it's not necessarily in your pocket, okay? So the sign that's at the midheaven is something that you're always striving for or aspiring to. You know, for instance, if you have an Aries midheaven like you do, Gary, you have a very heroic midheaven, okay? So um, this midheaven invites you or, or, or challenges you, actually, to take on a good cause, to fight. The right battle uh, to fight for what is right. Now, that's not something that's typically associated with the zodiac sign of Virgo. Okay, Virgo is more kind of like, eh, let's not rock the boat, let's color inside the lines. Let's, you know, you know, but with this Aries midheaven, it says, well, there's a time when you have to stop coloring inside the lines, or there's a time when you, when you have to throw down the gauntlet, or you have to accept the challenge, and you have to advocate You have to fight, you have to strive, um, and it's going to make things uncomfortable, you know. And and again, Virgo's reaction to that is, I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but it's the Aries Midheaven that insists at different times in your life that that's exactly what you do. And so, you know, the Midheaven isn't necessarily something that you are comfortable with, or that you say is, okay, you know, like, like I can see this thing in me, it calls you to, you know, it can be like a higher purpose in your life that, that calls you to. And so with an Aries Midheaven uh, in your, in your chart, uh, which also indicates, by the way, that the father should be a very strong figure, either neg- positive or negative, I don't know. But, but this idea of the calling forth and rising to the occasion of challenge, even if you don't want to, this is going to be something that you grapple with uh, through your life, and it's something that actually guides you through your life, maybe taking on fights or causes that you're like, what the hell did I sign on for? <laughs> what am I doing? But, you know, but it's the right thing to do. And so you'll do it, you know. So, so the, in, the Midheaven can sort of be this, um, this, 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 this calling card from your higher purpose, for, uh, for lo- uh, lack of a better way of putting it.
0: I can tell wow. you, Christopher, that wow. Suzanne just set wow. some kind of record for <laughs> slapping her forehead. <laughs> because it, it, You have described Gary to a T. And you know, it reminds me, if I'm gonna make light of it, it, reminds me of the old Irish joke. An Irishman walks into a bar in the middle of a big bar fight. So he just sidles <laughs> up to the bartender and asks, is this a private fight or can anyone join in?
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs>
0: but you know, when, when there is a call to action, I hope it's for a good cause. I hope that, it, that it's worth the fight. Because countless times, and I so admire you, Christopher, for pointing this out. You were so accurate. I have found myself embroiled in controversies that I don't believe I initiated, at least not most of the time, but I fought for what I thought was the right or the rights of others that were being abused in some way. And man, once you weighed in, you don't often have the luxury of simply backing out. You have to go through the experience.
4: Right. Right. And that's a special virtue that comes from Mars, which is the ruler of Aries. You know, um, Mars often gets painted very uh, lazily, I think. You know, a lot of times astrologers will say Mars is impulsive and it's, you know, whatever. But Mars is the hero, you know this is the this is the shining example of the planet itself it's it's the hero and heroes are often called upon to do the things that other people don't want to do or don't feel like they're up to you know and there are some signs like for instance let's say you were in aries an aries midheaven well you you know you'd be like worldwide worldwide wrestling guy you know, you'd be like yeah let's do another you know body slam move or something like that you'd be completely into it you know because you identify with that midheaven but for virgo it's like <laughs> Like, I really, like, I really have to do this, or I really have to step in, or this isn't really usually the, you know, how we were talking about Taurus before. Taurus would rather take the path of least resistance and doesn't want to feel prodded or poked. Well, there's kind of a similar energy here when you look at the uh, Midheaven in, in, in your chart.
0: It just reminds me of Popeye and Bluto. You know, Popeye fought because he had something or someone, in the case of olive oil, worth fighting for. So he downed his can of spinach and he just weighed in. Whereas Pluto liked to throw his weight around. Right. I, I do not like to associate <laughs> with such people. But sometimes <laughs>
4: when you're faced with a Pluto, you've gotta pull a Popeye. <laughs> you gotta pull a Popeye. And what's funny about that is um Mars, you know, which is taking on the good fight. Um, in astrology the planets are Connected to certain colors or minerals or, or certain things that it has an affinity for. And of course, Mars's big metal that it's connected to is iron, and of course spinach is famous for iron. So, you know, whether they knew astrology or not, I always found it rather funny that Popeye was always popping a can of spinach and then, you know, getting these bulging muscles or, or coming back from the brink or having been, you know, knocked down within an inch of his life. But he pulled out his his, his Mars energy, his can of spinach, and, you know, was back into the <laughs> that's, fight.
0: That's exactly right.
4: <laughs> I love it. Philosophy
0: of Popeye as interpreted by Christopher Redstrom. <laughs> there you go. I have three more horoscopes to read. We want to include the everyone. the next one is Benny's. Oh, Benny, 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 Benny. Capricorn. Yeah. Okay, here we go. This is the time to expand your client base. Oh. There's money to be made out of state or even across the border. <laughs> the farther afield, the better. We'll come back to that in a moment. Aquarius, every summer you suffer a mild bout of seasonal depression. That's because you're a winter baby. Introducing something cold like ice cream should help. And finally, Pisces. It's easy for friends to comment on your love life when they don't have to live it. By the way, giving him or her a second chance doesn't mean you're a pushover. I like that. First of all, there and there's something we said about Pisces there, uh, but Capricorn, okay, we're in Benny territory here. The farther afield, the better. Now, how would you scope out something like that, Christopher? Why is that significant?
4: It's significant because of Jupiter and its placement in Pisces. Um, Jupiter is a planet that is associated to long journeys. Um, Mercury ruled over short journeys, uh, and, and Mercury ruled over long journeys. So, uh, And Jupiter ruled over long journeys. So Mercury is basically like a short journey. You went down to the market, and you bought your things for that day, and you came on back home, or nowadays it would be a commute to work. Okay, Whereas Jupiter ruled over journeys where you went – Overseas, or you traveled the Silk Road route. You know, you you were you were involved in trading, and you might be away for months and months and months. Um, and so, you know, nowadays it's uh, it's hopping a plane and going and visiting Beijing or, or something like that. So, so, so what they were trying to differentiate was the idea of something that's close in proximity and something that's further away, maybe even exotic. So with the Jupiter um, placement right now with the new moon um, affecting uh, the revenues, uh, stream of revenues for Capricorn, it's the idea that maybe looking f- you know, outside the commute, looking further away out of state or, or across the border, there may be uh, clients or opportunities um, that, that would allow you to uh, prosper or to make more money.
2: Interesting. Uh, so i mean i could jump in real quickly i mean i've been thinking about you know taking that next step and level with a girlfriend you know and she lives farther south than i do and i've been doing the 20-year commute in renton which is really close to the radio station so i'm going from 10 minutes to 30 minutes that's a start i'm gonna go with that okay um but as far as the business aspect i don't know i'm gonna have to Think about this one a little bit more because I haven't really been thinking about anything over the border anywhere, you know, the state line or anything. But Benny, think about it a moment. Okay.
4: Where are um, Gary and Suzanne uh, broadcasting from? Florida. Right. Is that the same state as you? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're so good. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that you have to. I hate when I it mean, gets it, astrology's been around 2,500 years. <laughs> it's kind of like adjustments there, but. Yeah, but I mean that's just to give an example. You're, no,
2: exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Okay yeah, your then. Your
3: clients are actually all over the
4: country, aren't they, Benny? They
2: are. Convenience of the uh, technology at hand, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there may be
4: there may be developments that are coming your way. Excellent. Excellent.
3: Yeah. yeah. More people from around the country who will be zooming with you, Benny. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> that's all but, I got. <laughs>
0: That is it's wonderful to Zoom. think of the technology that brings people <laughs> yeah, so right? close together. This was utter science fiction not that long ago, Christopher.
4: Right. Right. But the thing is, if you always return to like what the kernel is of the planetary definition— It's amazing how accommodating it can be in terms of time. I mean, you know, this idea of, like, close proximity, commute versus trade, this is something we've been doing for 2,500 years, but 2,500 years later, you can still hook into it and say, okay, yeah, but it means something very different. You know, the context is different, or the technological ability is very different, but you can still, because of astrology, describe it in basically the same way.
0: I wanted to uh, duck in a question for you about Pisces. Real quick, a couple of minutes. Right. The, the last words of your horoscope for today for Pisces. By the way, giving him or her a second chance doesn't mean you're a pushover. Uh, Pisces is associated so much with escapism and with this watery, dreamy tendency. I think people can frequently see them as pushovers when actually Pisceans are capable of their own kind of strength.
4: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and to return to the sort of path of least resistance metaphor or whatever with Pisces is it's the nature of fish to swim along the current. You know, so, so where we might be experiencing storms if we're sailing across water, you know, Pisces has that ability to, de- to dive deep down <laughs> underneath what's stormy and to follow the current. So Pisces is always attuned to what's going on beneath you know, or, or what's hidden, and what this is actually talking about is that Pisces has a tremendous amount of compassion that can get misunderstood, because people can think of compassion and empathy as weak things, you know, uh, or, or, or if you're going through a stormy time in your relationship, you have to be strong and not give in, and Pisces kind of understands People can be in bad places and kind of reemerge, or you can sort of come back together with someone further down the line. There's a beautiful patience um, and sensitivity that Pisces has, particularly around relationships.
0: As always, a brilliant star turn in more ways than one from Christopher Renstrom. Thank you, Christopher, for joining us again. We love it when you come on here and enlighten us in a way that's also very entertaining. Thank you. It's it's always a pleasure. Give
3: out the the book again and the website once again. Christopher Renstrom's most recent book is The Cosmic Calendar Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. And he comes at it from so many angles. It is a truly wonderful reference book. And his website is rulingplanets.com. A great place to go and get started with Christopher. Anything else, my dear? That sounds pretty good. All right. (laughs) And we we look forward to the next time having you back. As always.
0: Well, thank you, Christopher Renstrom. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. Coming up next. We have the Christine Upchurch Show and later Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Our friend Erica Nelson is back to talk about her art of suffrage, a tribute to women's suffrage and some great murals in the Midwest. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back 10 a.m. tomorrow, Pacific Time, right here on Seattle's Home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150.